Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are you listening? Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Marcus, and you are tuned in to the Black Married and Debt-Free Podcast. My wife, Shire, and I were able to eliminate six figures worth of debt, and we're all about empowering others to do the same. You know, we've had some great guests this year. We sure have. And you know, let's do a review on all of our most memorable episodes. What do you say, Shire? That sounds good to me. Let's get it. Sit back and enjoy the Black Married and Debt-Free Podcast. We picked up a copy of your book, So Being Broke is is Maddening, the book that you (laughs) co-authored, and we both went through it. There are um, sections where there were some questions that were presented. And so Marcus and I, we went through um, through the questions and answered them. We really had a lot of interesting conversations based off of, you know, the information provided in the book. So can mm-hmm. you share a little bit about like what sparked the, the idea for um, this book, Being Broke is Maddening? Okay. So my, uh, my thing is um, I believe that big, uh, long spurts of brokenness brings on depression and it brings on not only depression but it brings on um, mental health issues yes. so my theory is um, and my theory is and, and I did and like I said I actually deal with black women more and I deal I research more in black women than I do with any other um, and I compare them so my dissertation was about the difference between black women and white women um, and how they view money and what was the cause of them uh, how they view it and what's the cause and the mindset that people have around money and I have a theory that's probably gonna that's coming out in my next book which is unapologetically broke um, we talk about um, how that uh, post-traumatic slave syndrome pay, plays a, a big part of how we think and so that's how I think about um, about us and uh, money I think there's a theory about black men so we had slavery we had Jim Crow we had all of those and those things helped us had a, a thing for our mindsets towards money redlining all of those things have a mindset on how we feel about money and the and somebody else's definition of how we should be beautiful has a lot of has lots you know people women spend lots and lots of money on different things that they could be investing in uh, but you know, I never tell anybody anything about how to spin it. I just be saying, okay, this is how to think about it. So I think you don't have enough money and enough time or enough money. And that gives, gives us that mindset. And then we become depressed and we become mad, maddening. And I work with this book with a, a therapist. And she says she sees that in a lot of her clients where it's not just the, it's not just other issues. It's not that my dog is dead. It's like, okay, I'm broke and I'm always broke. And so those are the kinds of things that keep them. When we were reading that, you know, even the title alone, uh, it's just like, man, that, you never think about it like that, you know, but yeah. it like you said, it plays on your mental health and you're consistently, you know, not yeah. where you want to be financially. So that's, that's. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So we're Aman and Christine, of course, from Our Journey. Thank you so much, first of all, for having us on your podcast. We're super excited. But just a little bit about ourselves. Aman and I are married. We've been married for almost 15 years. And we have two girls, ages 10 and 12. And we live in Japan. We live about an hour away from Tokyo. And we live and work in Japan. So I'm an attorney and Aman is a city planner. And we're about a year away from financial independence, give or take a couple of months. (laughs) We talk a lot about hiring the bar. So most people assume they're doing well if they're saving five to 10% of their income, right? And if if you do that, you will retire in the traditional manner. You know, at 59, 60, 65. And even at that savings rate, you probably won't retire comfortably right? But we raise the bar. We say, if you save 20, 30, 40, 50% of your income, you can move that date up even, even sooner. And for us, financial independence means that the sooner we can retire, the sooner we can do things that we enjoy doing. We're sitting down with Andre and Twilia. They, even me saying it is just crazy, but they paid off over a million dollars in debt in less than 24 months and they're going to be sharing their story with us uh they also just released their book power moves and they're going to be sharing uh you know some stories from that book they have a great story and we're here to learn more about it along with you all so andre and talia we want to thank you guys for being on can you start by telling us and telling our listeners a little bit about Oh, thank you for having us, first of all. We are so grateful for the opportunity to just share our story. Um, And thank you for allowing us to be on your platform. Um, So I'm Twalia, and um, this is Andre. And we wrote this book after um, realizing the grueling journey that we were on um, just had so many different twists and turns. And we just thought, man, you know, if we were able to do this in the amount of time that we did it in, Imagine um, how motivated someone else who may not have as much debt that we have Hmm. may be by hearing our story to know that it's possible to eliminate it and it doesn't have to take, you know, years on end to do it. Right. Uh, And part of the thing that was that made this journey so much uh, of an adventure was the fact that we knew that with our own merits and our own skill set, it was not going to happen. It was truly God ushering us through this overall journey that made it that much more impactful and it's continuing the, the testimony of how great he is in our lives. And so we're excited to share that uh, as well. Yeah, that um, certainly came out in your in your book as you were reading through um, your story is the way that your your faith has been a big part of your journey. Creators of Trailer Cash Academy. Yes, you heard me right. <laughs> Trailer Cash Academy. And we are all about that. So we are happy to welcome Jay and Samara to our podcast today. So thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. We're so happy to be here and uh, serve and, um, you know, try to help more people. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so can you guys uh, tell, our, tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves yeah for sure so um samara and i uh, i'll start off with our backgrounds i'm from uh northwest indiana um samara's from new mexico um albuquerque yeah 
Um, uh, our backgrounds are a, a little bit different um, when it comes to, to money. I know growing up in my household, uh, money was always something that uh, you know, was always talked kind of like negative about. Uh, we had a negative stigma when it came to money, like there just wasn't enough. And whenever there were problems, uh, most of them revolved around money. So growing up, I always thought, you know, I had to have, you know, uh, work a lot of hours just to get it, or I wasn't worthy enough to really, you know, become a millionaire or anything like that, that I, I strive to be. Um, in fact, when I was 18, 19, my mom told me, you know, the little bit of debt that I did have, like, hey, just just file a bankruptcy on it. So, uh, again, that's kind of like where the mindset of where we come from. You wanna- yeah, and in my household, it was um, you work hard for money. It was like trade your time for money. You get a job. So, of course, you go to school. You just get a job. You work for 20 years. You retire. That was just the only way. There was no, like, investing wasn't even a thing. Like, we didn't talk about money. We didn't talk about budgeting or investing. So, it, um, you know, as we progressed and as we, you know, learned together, we read more books and we learned, we opened our minds up to all the opportunities that are invested. Thing, and that's kind of what brought us into real estate. Sure. So, so this is how I like to break it down. So let's say if you have $100,000 in cash in your checking account, that's an asset, right? But you're living in a home where you have a, an existing mortgage of $50,000. So you're going to subtract that $50,000 from that $100,000 you have in cash, and that leaves you with your net worth, which is $50,000, right? So you can't say... Well, I own this home, I have this home, but you have an existing mortgage, which is going to count against your net worth. And I think that's where a lot of people, there's a lot of emotion that gets into it, Shire. Like, let's go back to that. So you said the word liability. You as a listener, when you heard that word, those of you who are familiar with assets and liabilities, when you hear the word liability, how does it make you feel? Does it make you feel? It feels like a burden. It feels like a negative thing, right? It feels negative. So I think when people want to argue that their home is an asset, their home that they're still paying on, it's because they don't want to associate such a positive thing with a negative word. I think there's some psychology there because we posed this question on our uh, Instagram and we got a lot of pushback. People saying, well, my home is an asset. And yes, by the literal first definition of asset, a useful or valuable thing, personal quality, I get that. Well, clearly, it's on both sides of the equation. If right. you're looking at your net worth, it's going to fall on the asset side, and it will fall on the liability side if you have debt. Okay, but what if you don't have debt? Then it's only on the asset side. Okay, mm-hmm. so they have a point there. And then uh, many people are familiar with the Robert Kiyosaki definition um, of an asset versus a liability, and he simplifies it by saying. An asset is something that pays you, and a liability is something that you actually have to pay for. So if you are in a home and you're responsible for um, repairs or just normal wear and tear that a home experiences, that means it's costing you money. And by his definition, that would make it a liability in comparison to a rental property where someone is paying you each month. You may have some debt on your rental, but if you receive a check, then um, at the end of the day, it's paying you. So we just gave two examples. And in one example, the home was an asset. And then looking at um, the popular definition by Robert Kiyosaki, you see that the home is a liability. My brother, George Pitts. You know, we fear the unknown. 
but we fear something that's literally not as deep as we think it is. You know, it's just like a kid that is scared to get into shallow water because they don't know how deep it goes and they realize it only goes to their waist. If we actually start taking steps to monetize the vision and the things that we want to do, you'll realize you're more, you're a lot more closer than it is. You know, you'll realize, oh, Facebook Marketplace Craigslist, there's this church giving away their, their buses because they're getting new ones. I could go and get one. Um, there's, you know, there's this guy that turns, uh, you know, these type of buses into a food truck for $7,000. So now, you know, I need seven grand and I got someone that's going to do all the work for me and bring it up to code. So, you know, okay, if you got, you know, you got 24 hours in a day, if you work eight hours a day, you got 16 hours left. The average sleeper person needs to have optimal energy is six to eight hours. So that leaves you with eight hours a day after you sleep and work to do something. You could go and pick up a second job at Costco. They pay $15 an hour, 7-Eleven on cue, $14, $15 an hour. People can't be too proud to go out and work towards the dream that they want to have. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Marcus, and I'm here with my lovely wife. Shira. And I'm excited right now, if you can't tell. Uh, we have some special guests, and we're going to do something a little different this time. So we, we, we all, we're all church people, right? We're going to hit our listeners to a little church culture, okay? And what happens a lot of times is when there's a special guest at your church, they get up and they uh, they read the bio of this special guest, right? And, you know, they pretty much read their resume. And I always found it funny. You look over at that guest preacher or guest speaker, they're looking real serious, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a few seconds and we're going to read their bio. We're going to read the bio of this, this couple that we have joining us today. So we have two authors. We have two bloggers. We have financial educators. Uh, we have a couple that has eighty over 80,000 subscribers on their YouTube page. They're pastors, they're speakers, uh, hosts of the His and Her Money Show, parents of three, life coaches, financial coaches. Uh, they've been featured on TD Jake's show, USA Today, MSN, Essence, and more. You guys, we're excited to have Ty and Talent from His and Her Money on the show. Well, man, we are, we are glad to be here. Like, take that. I can't take that. You talk type about of, us? What they talking about us? Just, I can't take that type of like recognition for Ooh. some reason. I'm Ooh. like, oh my gosh, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all, we are so excited and so happy that you guys invited us to come on your show. Yeah, man, we're big fans of the, what y'all doing and how you all are trying to impact the lives of families across the country, man. So we're super glad to be here to support the movement, man. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, it's your boy, Anthony O'Neill, and you're listening to the baddest couple, I believe, on the planet. You're listening to the Black, Married, and Debt-Free Podcast. Took you some time to get into the situation. It's going to take you some time to get out of it. So you're going to line up all of your debt inside the debt snowball, and that's your student loans as well. And when you get to that, 
You're just going to attack it. Uh, the quickest way that I always tell young people when it comes to paying student loans is step back and look at your budget. Okay, I want you to look at your budget. And I want you to look at everything that you can cut. So if you got Apple Music and Spotify, you need to cut them. If you got Netflix and you got Hulu, you need to cut one of them. You need to find some extra money within your budget and put that on top of your student loans and just go aggressively after that, after it, after it, after it, after it. You got to tell your boyfriend, hey, I can't go out this week unless you're paying for it. But technically, if you're paying for it, you can give me some money to go towards the student loan. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you got to get creative and find ways to get extra money to go towards that. Maybe pick up a part-time job. Maybe pick up a side hustle. Uh, one of my good friends, Chris, Rice. She wrote a book on business boutique on how to change your hobbies and what you enjoy doing into a side hustle. So any ladies listening to this podcast, I would recommend picking up that book because she, you could generate some extra money with things that you love doing. You know, me and Shire, we often, you know, talk about debt freedom. And that's really the thing that we share a lot about on this podcast. But there's levels to this. And we have a couple that uh, they're really sharing about the fire movement and this series that we're talking about on this podcast has to do with the fire movement it's uh it's it's really something that is, is becoming very popular and it is the next level it's, it's what we aspire to do and where we aspire to be so we're happy to have our friends julian and kirsten from rich and regular on the podcast how are you guys doing we're what's, great what's up man <laughs> it's good to meet you guys absolutely we're excited to have you guys on so we're just gonna we're just gonna dive in as we were sharing right before we started the recording was that we want to talk a little bit more about fire um which basically means financially independent retire early yep. yes. and one of the things that we discovered after becoming debt-free was the very next day, I still had to go to work. <laughs> I still had the bills coming in. And we really learned that there is a difference. There's a defining difference between debt freedom and financial freedom. And so we love the message that you all bring. And so we're hoping to really dive deeper into that today. And so can you share uh, with us just a little bit about yourself and the you veer into fire you can and if not we'll get there um so if you can just share a little bit about your your platform and how it came to be all right hi everyone i'm kirsten i'm 35 i'm based out of atlanta mama to a two-year-old wife to julian um play many other roles no no applause <laughs> i play many other roles employee sister daughter all that jazz um, I am a former overspender, so my financial story is one where I had a ton of credit card debt, a ton of consumer debt. I bought a luxury car when I was, you know, 23 years old and just <laughs> took me 10 years to pay that thing off, but I had one. Um, and uh, Julian was the one that introduced me to the, fi to the FIRE movement, really. And it started very similar to your story. Um, I started with debt freedom. I went through all the baby steps and I did all the things that you have to do to get rid of the debt. And then I realized that I wanted more. And um, I started thinking about my time. Like once you stop worrying about money, you start thinking more about time. And when Julian brought fire to me, I'm not gonna lie, the first time I was like, hell no. <laughs> it seems <laughs> way too extreme. <laughs> but, but when you consider the extremities of working for 70 years with no break, like that's way more extreme than anything that fire could, could ever be. And so, um, yeah, that's the short version of my story. That's the short version of her story. <laughs> <clears throat> wow. Um, <laughs> my story, uh, I'll try to be brief. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. 
uh, by way of Jamaica. Uh, both of my parents, my entire family is from Jamaica. And so um, strong work ethic was like, you know, in, in a strong part of my personality and how uh, I was raised. Uh, we moved to uh, the Atlanta area, I want to say 95, 96, sometime around the Olympics. Um, and so at this point, I've been in Atlanta longer than I've been in in New York. Um, but, you know, pretty much I've always been a hard worker, go to school, get a job, uh, sometimes two jobs, you know, uh, while I was going through school. Um, and I would say, you know, when my wheels started turning for me about money was really uh, right after college, like, or when, when it was time to start paying student loans, right? Because I was also a homeowner at the time and it was like, whoa, I've got this mortgage and I've got these student loans. Um, and I also felt like really deeply insecure, um, but got over that and got into real estate investing. And from real estate investing, that moved into, you know, sort of the debt payoff lifestyle. And then now sort of into uh, FIRE. And, um, you know, we teamed up. We got, we met in 2012, got married in 2015. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're on the journey together. We're, we're on the final stretch. Hey guys, it's Amon and Christina from Our Rich Journey. And you are listening to the Black Married and Debt Free Podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think exactly what Amon is saying. Like, even if you're drawing 4%, you're you're not going to be depleting that, that principal balance. So you have that to give to your kids. If you're drawing less than 4%, it's actually continuing to compound interest and grow. Then you have even more to give to the next generation, the next generation. And I think... For us, so we have this pot that is continuing to grow that we can give to our kids later down the line. For us also, it's about teaching them what to do with investments. Okay, here's your account. We're putting money into your account. It grows because we're investing in this. This is your custodial account for now. And when you turn 18, it becomes your account. So it's not just growing this pot of money and just throwing at them and saying, oh, look, you have all this money now. So awesome. You know, it's this concept of really showing them what is important and valuing what they have, but also showing them how to manage it so that they can also allow it to grow and work for them as they become older. I love that. And I wanted to do a breakdown for folks that just, I just can't do fractions and percentages. <laughs> so when we're talking about the 4% rule, say someone um, has saved a million dollars and that was their their um, retirement, that was their number. And so if they're withdrawing 4%, then that means that they're uh, living off the interest, they're withdrawing 4%. So that's $40,000 a year that they would be living off of. This is a oversimplification basically, but they would never touch that principal balance of $1 million. And so they would um, theoretically be able to pass that on to their heirs. Yes, that's right. That's exactly That's right. a great round number that you used to. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to do the math on this. <laughs> The idea is you have a million, say you have a million dollars, right? By the end of that year, your account has grown to at least $1,040,000, right? Then each month you're taking it out so that 40000 pulls out. At the end of the year, you have a million again. And then it grows again, another 40000 which you take out throughout the year. But the idea is, you know, like Amon said, on average, it's been 8%. So it can grow even more. And I don't want to get difficult with the numbers. But yeah, if it's just 40,000, then your 1 million is still is still there, even after you take out 40 million every year. 40, or, I'm 40. sorry, 40. <laughs> <laughs> we wish 40 million.
marriage is in decline and some of it may be blamed on the fact that women are finding men less economically attractive. And I have had friends and I have had conversations with other women who are very accomplished, who have said, if a man doesn't make at least what I make, then I'm not going to entertain that uh, friendship or that relationship. And I'm usually the one in the conversation to be like, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure? You know, because I I think that we are selling ourselves short to be so narrow-minded in the sense that as Americans, many times we attach our self-worth to our net worth. Mm. So because I'm making more, then I'm doing better than you or I am better than you. So I don't want to entertain this relationship. And so you're just not the one. I think that's a very uh, small-minded way to, to think. And I think that in many respects, um, some folks have thought like that. And I and I don't feel that they're wrong, but I just feel like you don't want to necessarily put yourself in a box. And I think there's more to a man than the amount on his paycheck. Right. And, and while we're there, I mean, there's been a mini a Tyler Perry movie. Yes. Uh, shout out to Tyler Perry with the opening of his studio. Hey. But there's been a mini Tyler Perry movies that start off with a gentleman who's not doing so well that on the surface he looks like uh, he got that baby fro. Yeah, he got that wig, that classic Tyler Perry wig that d- don't look real. And he's struggling. And the wife is like, man, he just, he ain't worth nothing. And and that movie ends with him, you know, finally fulfilling that dream or, uh, you know, doing that, starting that business he wanted to start and becoming successful. And to, the woman's nowhere in sight because she, she he wasn't good enough. So, well, I think okay. Well, hold that. on. The, no, well, mm. We're extremely happy to have Alex and Marlon of the Money Monopolizers on the podcast. What's going on, y'all? What's going on? How you doing, Marcus? Man, I'm doing great. I appreciate y'all inviting us out here. Absolutely. Of course. How you doing, Marlon? Oh, I'm doing really good, man. I'm, I'm excited just for, to be doing this first interview with y'all. Cool, man. We're excited to have you guys on. So we're going to dive right in. And, you know, we like to kind of, you know, go back in time, I guess, and, and, and learn a little bit about you all's upbringing like what shaped your financial mindset i guess yeah i'll just start off by just talking about like my background a little bit and then i kind of talk about whenever i met marlon and then he could tell his end from his perspective Um, but uh so for me personally i was born in i was actually born in kenya and i was born there in 1996 so i'm 23 years old right now and uh we moved to the u.s my parents moved us to the u.s when i was like one years old um so we moved and eventually like settled in houston that was, I was, at that point, I was about 10 years old whenever we ended up in Houston. That was like 2005. Actually, I moved there from after Hurricane Katrina because we were in New Orleans before that. Wow. So we ended up in Houston. And at that point, that was whenever I actually met Marlon. So I met Marlon in the seventh grade. Um, so we were like 12 years old whenever I met him. This was 2009, I guess now. So, and whenever I met this dude, I was like, dang, we are really like, I was like, this dude is really just like me. So <laughs> at that point, like you 12 years old, you know, everybody's just kind of, you know, wild and just doing whatever. But I, I, I kind of always saw myself as someone that was like always self-motivated, self-driven. Um, I had like certain values and morals that I always like was I always stuck to them. Yeah. And one of them, too, was the fact that I was like very frugal, 
with my money, you know, any, you know, the money that a 12 year old can get. So whenever I met Marlon, I, he was literally, he had the same like motives and values and everything. So I was like, oh, okay, this dude, I, I can hang with this dude. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of just like grew up together and we ended up, well, we graduated high school in 2014. And uh, at that point I went to, I decided to go to, I came to San Antonio and I attended University of Texas at San Antonio and I studied uh, civil engineering there and I ended up graduating in three and a half years and I uh and it was a December of 2017 when I graduated and so that summer or that summer before I did graduate I actually had an internship at a like a civil engineering company and whenever I was there I realized that's when I realized I didn't want to be engineering (laughs) before I had even graduated I was like dang I really don't even want to do this wow so at that point I said okay this is what I'm gonna do it was like August of 2017. So I said, okay, I'm going to dedicate these, the rest of the year. I'm going to just, you know, finish out this degree. Obviously I'm not just going to just stop it after I was only had a semester <laughs> left. So I was like, I'm going to finish out this degree and I'm going to start working. And then I'm going to, you know, go see what else is out there. Yeah. So I entered the workforce when I was, you know, I was 21 years old and I started working as an engineer and this was here in San Antonio. I'm actually at the same, at this job right now. Okay. Um, and like I said, I knew I didn't want to do this for like too much longer. So I I took those first like five, six months of 2017 to like dedicate to just self-education on all things like financial literacy and financial education and investing in business. And so one of the like biggest things that I learned from that or at that point was that I needed to uh, get into real estate investing. Um, and real estate to me was always attractive. Whenever I was younger, I was like, you know, I was actually like watching HGTV when I was like 13 years old. So I was probably like the only teenage boy that was watching HGTV. <laughs> but, you know, that's just, that, that always, it just piqued my interest. I always just loved the numbers and I loved like that whole aspect of, you know, flipping houses and that. So I, I knew, okay, real estate was my thing. And then I discovered house hacking and that was, you know, whenever I decided, okay, I'm, I've educated myself enough on this after about five, six months. I'm ready to dive in. So at that point, I decided, okay, I can buy my first house. And it was going to be, it was a duplex, the one that I live in now, actually. And I'm going to rent out one side and live in the other side. So that's uh, how I got my start into real estate investing. Um, I got that first house hack. And then now, I mean, as of today, me and Marlon have done, you know, six combined deals just through flipping and uh, rentals in, you know, uh, San Antonio and Houston. Wouldn't you hate to be on a job? and do something that you were absolutely terrible at (laughs) what a miserable life you know so i think it's so important to connect with your purpose it's so important to have a vision for your life and to be creative and to use your imagination to imagine what could possibly be could this be for you That's the question. Shire, I'm just through the moon, excited, hype, and I had a great time today interviewing Irish Journey and Rich and Regular. Yeah. We want to thank them so much for being on the podcast. And we thank you guys for listening. We thank you guys for rocking with, with the us. Black Married and Deathly podcast. Yeah. You guys make this thing happen. So we really appreciate you guys. Till next time, this is Marcus. And I'm here with my lovely wife, Shira. Well, this is the Black Married at Food Podcast. Can you say that part? All right, y'all. We holla at y'all later. Wait, we are Black Married and on fire. <laughs>
Yo, so we hope you guys enjoyed that podcast episode. We hope that we said something that you can take away and apply. We are here to inform and to inspire. So do us a huge favor and don't forget to rate this podcast five stars on whatever platform you're streaming us. And if you want to become a supporter of the Black Married and Death Free podcast, you can do so by clicking on the link below. That's it for now. Till next time, I'll let you guys later.